Hey, folks, I know there are lots of business owners who listen to this show. Maybe some of you never planned on running a business, but now here you are. One thing you've always got to keep in mind is how much you're spending on your operating costs. That's one of the first things we had to keep in mind with WTF. And with things costing more today than they did when we started, you want to keep your expenses down. To reduce costs and headaches, be smart and use NetSuite by Oracle, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. Reduce IT costs, cut the costs of maintaining multiple systems, improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash WTF for more. That's netsuite, N-E-T-S-U-I-T-E dot com slash WTF. All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fucksters? What's happening? I'm Mark Marin. This is my podcast, WTF. Did I just, did I swear that? WTF. WTF. This is it. This is the show. Thank you for being here. I'm welcoming uh, probably a few new folks coming in today to listen to my guest, Busy Phillips. Who's amazing? I truly, uh, I've always, uh, I've always loved her. Really, um, you know, in a, in a, an appropriate way. But I've always liked her on screen. I always had a sense that maybe I knew what she'd be like. And so when I finally got to talk to her, she was even better than I thought. That is always the case. What does better mean? How about this? How um, how about I liked her more than I I did already. We had a, a very nice chat, me and Busy. I do want to get some stuff out of the way. Not out of the way. I want to tell you about some things. The WTF book, Waiting for the Punch, is out in paperback tomorrow. 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 Tuesday. We've had a lot of people tell us over the past year how much they've loved it. And we're really proud of the book. Brendan and I worked hard on it. Brendan, harder than me. In, yeah, after the fact of the talk, Brendan was the, the amazing human index. He's got just like he, his memory is transcendent. Is that the word I want? His me- How about uh, unbelievable? Uh, you can order a paperback copy at markmarinbook.com or click on the book link at wtfpod.com or you can just go to wherever you get books tomorrow, October 16th. I know a lot of you were waiting for this because you want to throw for that hardback. Here's the paper. Uh, and also speaking of books, if I may, um, my friend Jill Soloway, uh, many of you know her as the creator of Transparent. She's been on this show two or three times, actually. Uh, she's also a director of, of great stuff. She has a memoir coming out tomorrow. It's called She Wants It, Desire, Power, and Toppling the Patriarchy. So if you're a fan of Jill's and you like her stuff, go get that book, too. Get both of them. But if you have to really, if you know, if you're up against the wall, you're like, oh, man, I've only got this much money left. I can only afford waiting for the punch would be the choice to make there. And then, you know, loop back around, get uh, get Jill's book when you have the extra money. Is that that's not really an amazing plug? Just get both books. All right. Just get both books. Jesus. What am I? Why, why do you got to back me into a corner with this shit? He said to himself again, over and over again. So. Friday, October 19th, I'm going to be hosting 
this big, what's going to be a, a, a pretty amazing show, actually. It's called Across the Great Divide. It's a benefit concert for the American Music Association and the Blues Foundation. It's going to be me hosting. Jimmy Vivino is going to be leading the band. He's the musical director. But we got John Prine, Bob Weir, Lucinda Williams, Leon Womack, Doyle Bramhall II, Shamika Copeland, Larkin Poe, Joe Lewis Walker, Tosh Neal, and uh, Slash is coming. And there's also some other special guests that I know about, but I'm not even going to tell you. But I'm just, I'm, I'll tell you this, uh, John Prine's set's going to be surprising because, uh, enough said, but here's my dilemma. And this is a luxury problem. It's not even a problem. And some of you out there are going to hate me for it. I'm just going to put that out there. So I'm hosting this thing. You know, me and Jimmy are friends. He lets me play with him. So he wants me to play a song that I played with him out in the blues clubs couple of times stepping out from the blues breakers album john mayall and the blues breakers album the famous bino record where eric clapton is the guitar player stepping out is a guitar song and uh jimmy wants me to go ahead and sit in and that usually wouldn't be an issue because i'll just do it you know if it's a little club but this is going to be at the ace hotel theater that's where you can get tickets by the way ace hotel theater just do the searchy thing so he wants me to do it there, which on you know on the face of it, I can handle that. Okay, yeah, sure, I'll 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 jump in. But then he's like, "You and Slash are gonna do stepping out." I'm like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, back up, man!" I, you know, people do not want to see Mark Maron play guitar. They did not come out to see Mark Maron kind of wrench through his eight to twelve blues licks. You know, they're there to see Slash. So Mark Marin, speaking candidly to Mark Marin, was like, dude, you can't, you can't do that. You can't sit in with Slash. And I, I imagine some of you are like, uh, yeah, you're right. You can't. And you're not, you know, it's just like we appreciate your hobby and we're glad you're having a good time. But there's plenty of more deserving folks. And I hear that. I hear that. And, I, and, and maybe none of you are saying that, but the, uh, the guy inside of my head. But he's saying it a lot, and and now like you know I've got this problem with my arm and my elbow, and the other finger is all fucked up, so I'm looking for excuses, and I just I, I'm intimidated, and I I told Jimmy that I said I look Jimmy texted him I said I'm nervous about this because Slash is Slash, and I'm you know a comic who's hosting it that enjoys playing guitar by himself generally, and Jimmy's like don't be nervous, you're a natural, it's going to be great. Slash is very giving. Not completely sensitive to my issue, but but uh, it was enough for me to go like, all right, maybe I can do this, right? But I don't know. You know what? Here's my ultimate thinking about it. I'm going to do it because who gives a fuck? What's the worst that can happen? I fuck up the lead. People are like, why is Mark Maron playing guitar? Who gives a shit? Because I walk away from that, you know, no matter what happened, it's going to be like, I just played with Slash uh, and that, you know, that's a pretty big deal. So those of you who aren't planning on going and are like, oh, well, if Mark Maron's going to play two stanzas of lead on an old Blues Breaker song with Slash, that that put me over the, the top on that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy a ticket. Thank you to you people, one of you, whatever. But I'm just telling you, uh, there's no reason not to be envious of me or think I shouldn't be doing that. But I'm here to tell you that uh, I give zero fucks about that, really. And that's a, that's a new feeling. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it unless my arm like really hurts. See, I've got a built-in justification for the bail. You dig? 
to bail. So I was in Phoenix and I have, I love Arizona. I've been going to Arizona for years. My ex-wife's from Arizona. My brother lives in Arizona. I've, I've been going to Arizona for a long time. I always like Arizona, but in, in recent years, I get nervous going to Arizona and it's not Arizona itself. Geographically, I love the state. Culturally, it's okay. Politically, you know, and I've been there. I've performed there a lot, and I always do well. But every time I go, there's some part of my brain that's sort of like, "We're going to be at you know this this room, you know, with with my people in it that night. That's going to be all of us." But so I get I get nervous. I don't know what I'm thinking. I'm not going to perform at a fucking Trump rally, but I just I always there's sort of part of me that's sort of like I don't know, man. I don't know. But man, I'll tell you. It was a, it was an amazing show. Great people came. It was tight. Uh, Jill Kimmel opened for me, and I, I I'm an idiot. I didn't even ask, but she's Jimmy's sister, so that was kind of nice hanging out with her. I got caught up on you know how Jimmy's kid is doing. He's doing fine, and got to meet her and talk to her. She did a good job. My brother was in town. That's the other thing, man. Something's going on with me. I don't know if I'm more vulnerable or more open or some shit. I don't know what it is, but uh, I turned 55, and you know something something contracted. And and opened, if that makes sense, like some, you know, there were just all of a sudden it's sort of like, wow, uh, I'm, you know, I'm pretty far. You know, I'm in I'm in the second half here might be the the last third. Who the hell knows? But something happened in my brain. You know, I a lot of the things that I use to sort of like keep people away or or act out or or or, you know, like just like I'm just totally on to myself all of a sudden. And I realized, like, you know, man, uh, whatever. And I think this is good advice for any, everybody. You know, it's like if you're, you know, at odds with family members for whatever reason, even if they don't know it or it's in your mind, you know, think about it because uh, you're going to get to a point where you're going to be like, why did I keep a, a distance? Why did I, why was I judgmental? Why was I a dick? Why, you know, and sometimes there's good reasons, but a lot of times it just becomes a habit. And it's based on old shit. You don't have that much time on the planet and uh, your family's your family. I know it's weird coming from me, but I don't got anything against my brother. But I think, you know, we don't talk enough. You know, I've been judgmental in the past. But, you know, we spent the day together, spent some time with his son. We talked. We, you know, kind of bonded. We went over our notes in terms of uh, how we're both dealing with the trauma of our childhood. <laughs> you, know, I'm, you know, you know, he's got some tips. I got some tips. How you doing with this? Are you still... Uh, doing that and you know, he's like no fuck that i'm not even gonna worry about that anymore see that sounds like that so maybe you ought to work on it you know that kind of thing so we did a little we did a little uh uh catching up on our approach to uh you know, what we've had to reckon with him emotionally we had some food we you know he came to the show hung out backstage yeah it was nice i guess it's uh i guess it's just i don't know man maybe it's just a psa if your family's not a complete fucking disaster who makes you fear and tremble with anger and pain, uh, give them a call. You know, if it is get over a bull, get over it and fucking, you know, reconnect. Because in these trying times and as you get older, you're going to want those people around. All right. Or at least you want to be able to call them. They know you Me and they come from the same war. Your family, your siblings, they were in the same war as you. Maybe not everybody looks at their childhood like that. I don't know. The same, how about just the same battlefield? How about that? So listen, the other thing I wanted to tell you that happened in Phoenix, if I could, if you got a minute. 
so I get to the club and I'm walking out the hotel and I'm just seeing, hey, there's a lot of people out here, you know, dressed kind of weird. There's a lot of like, uh, Tony, you know, uh, Tommy Bahama shirts. There's a lot of uh, strange headgear and hula skirts. And I'm like, what the fuck is happening? I find the night that I'm performing there in Phoenix, there's a Jimmy Buffett, a massive Jimmy Buffett um, concert and an enclave or uh, what is it? Gathering, a Buffett gathering. What do they call parrot heads? And uh, I tell you, man, why can't I just let people have their good time? I can but it doesn't mean I'm not going to talk about it. I mean, I walk out of the hotel and I'm, you know, there's just like hundreds of these people with their Hawaiian shirts on, you know, and then every place out in that area is playing Jimmy Buffett songs. I get up to the, the comedy club and the restaurant across the way. has got like Jimmy Buffett cover band in there and it's full of these Jimmy Buffett people and they're playing. It's like it was inescapable for about a half hour. And that's a half hour way too fucking long if you're asking me. It was like being in the circle of hell reserved for the sin of having bad taste in music but i i don't i didn't quite understand i guess just how popular he is and i know i'll get a little pushback it's like hey man why don't you shut up can't people it's family fun we all go out we get a little little fucked up and we sing along it's like an hour and a half sing along about cheeseburgers and margaritas and whatever other ones he's got i don't know see that's a little condescending but look it's it is what it is but i didn't really realize that he had this kind of following. It's like the it's like the Grateful Dead for golfers. You know, if your drug is golf and uh, and beer, yeah, that this is who this is where you go. It was uh, surprisingly no. Uh, it seemed very white-ish. I think that, you know, that in my mind that could be what a small slice of uh, fascism could look like if it sort of takes over. There'd be the the sort of uh, you know, Tommy Bahama shirt uh, outfit of a certain sect. We'll see. That's all I can say. We'll see. Wasting away again in Margaritaville. See, like, how do I even know? Yeah. It's in there. It's in there. I get it. But, you know, I fought it. That's all I'm saying. I fought it. So, Busy Phillips. What a lovely and uh, neurotic kindred spirit, I might say. Uh, Her new memoir, This Will Only Hurt a Little, comes out tomorrow. A lot of books coming out tomorrow. Also, she's the host of a new late-night talk show, Busy Tonight. It premieres October 28th on E! And I had a great time hanging out with her, and now you're going to hear that happen. Sometimes I wish I paid more attention in school, or in some cases, any attention at all. There are probably a lot of things I could have gotten more out of, like literature, and now it's probably not in the cards to go back to school and study the classics. But luckily for us, there's a new podcast called The Foxed Page that dives deep into the best books of all time. This is basically like the best possible college English class, but more relaxed and fun. No pressure of grades or needing to prepare something to say in class. It's only the books you want to read and know about presented by best-selling author Kimberly Ford. Everything from Cormac McCarthy to Madame Bovary, from classics like Frankenstein to modern hits like Lessons in Chemistry. I love Ireland, but I missed the boat on James Joyce. The Fox Page has a three-part series on Dubliners, and that's a pretty great starting point. Want to get the most out of what you read? The Fox Page is for you get it now wherever you get your podcasts i have bad knees yeah 
Um, I've like dislocated both of my knees. I've had knee surgery. Jesus, how the hell did that happen? Well, I multi, many different ways. <laughs> have you both knees? Yeah. Like what? Skiing? No, no, it's so lame. Um, I wish. <laughs> One time when I was in... Just getting up? Yeah, kind of. Well, once, yeah. Um, on a skateboard, trying to impress boys when I was in middle school. Uh-huh. Um, oh, in a mosh pit. Oh. Um, but I, I wasn't actually in the mosh pit. I was just sort of a bystander. And some guy, you got hit by a person? And I got hit by a person. What concert was that? It wasn't. It was the seventh grade school dance. Wow. That's, it's in my book, Mark. I, well, it's I, well, all in my book. I know. I know it's on your book. But like, here's, I'll tell you honestly, and you're about to be an interviewer too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When someone has a book yeah. and you know that they're, they're good talkers, it, it behooves you not to get too far into the book or you'll lead them. Right. Because then you're looking for like, what about that time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? So like, you know, if we hit some of the stuff in the book, I'm good with it. It That's seems great. like I, I tend to, I found myself, I, you know, reading the parts that were profoundly disturbing. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That, and that, that, I mean, Catholicism uh, when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> but wait, let's not. No, no, no. But anyway, so yeah. And then I dislocated my knee when I was on a TV show called Dawson's Creek. And see, I knew about that. I'm not drunk. a moron. Yeah. You were drunk on Dawson's Creek. Drunk in the in a bar. I wasn't. It wasn't while we were filming. <laughs> it, was it was off camera. Off camera. <laughs> you were shit faced in a bar <laughs> and with I some of the other Dawson I Creekers. Dislocated my knee. Um, These, and those are big events. When you dislocate a knee, you're, you 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 become out. the center of attention. Yeah. very quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did the mosh pit start? Stop. Yeah, ever... they had to shut down the school dance because of your. Cause yeah, you... oh. it was real. It was really humiliating. I'm not gonna lie. I'm sorry, <laughs> but I also like I have really I have I have pretty intense anxiety and um. And I and depression. Always, Tur- uh, I think so. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do too. Yeah. And but but did you do you find you're depressed too? Uh, sometimes, yeah. But do you find do you ever think like what I realized about myself? If I could share this with you, yeah, I would like it. Is that I realized you know r- fairly recently that my anxiety like is always there. Like yes. I'm, I'm sort of like a dread guy, you know, mm-hmm. like oh god, I gotta, you know, like it never mm-hmm. stops. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not debilitating. But if anxiety gets to a point where your brain just kind of gives in. Mm-hmm. It be, you kind of get this paralysis that feels like depression, but I think it's just the last stage of anxiety. Well, that's interesting. Maybe that's true. I'm not. A, <laughs> I'm not on medication for depression. Yeah. But I do find that. Yeah. Maybe you're right that it gets really overwhelming, and then I. What I get is this like. It. I don't know how else to describe it. It's just like hollow. Yeah. Like I just feel like empty. Yeah. Exhausted. Yeah. Like slightly detached from yes. your body. Yes. Oh my god. I yeah. had that today. Yeah, I had. Yes, I had on Saturday. I had Saturday. I had a really crazy thing happen to me, Mark. I mean, it's been like a weird fucking time just in in the world, but also for, sure. for me personally. Just it's just been a weird time. And on Saturday, I got so overwhelmed with rage that I almost like I got nauseous, and that's never happened to me before. Like I thought I was gonna puke, and. I was so angry and I just was trying to explain it to Mark, my husband, Mark. Yeah. Um, and I and I was like, I just have been so fucking angry for so long and I have nowhere to fucking put it. Yeah. And I almost vomited. Like I was so Yeah. <laughs> overcome. And then that hollowness thing it said. Can, it happened. It happened. Because like so because all the feelings get stuffed yeah. and you yeah, just yeah, yeah. gut yourself. Yeah. Leave your body. 
Well, I mean, it was a heavy week. It was a heavy week for women everywhere. It was a heavy week for the country. And you just went public with your assault. Yeah. So, I mean, of course that must have reopened it. I mean, you could track it, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I know, but like even when you can intellectually like point right. to all of the make, things, it, it doesn't. It doesn't help. Why does it not help the, the emotion? Why does it not help the rawness of the thing? Well, I think sometimes like the anger thing, like I don't know, like to, even today, like I, I get angry over bullshit, and it's because uh, I think a lot of times it's just because of sadness. Right? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, what do you want to cry or yell? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like sometimes, sometimes I do both at the same time. Oh yeah, a lot of times yeah. actually. Well, I mean, like, well, what uh, I mean, what was the reaction in general to to you? Uh, it's in the book, right, right? But you know, but you vocalized it, you know, in relationship to what was going on in the uh, in the Senate as well, and for right. women in general. Well, I guess what happened for me on that morning yeah. with the Ka- we're talking about the Kavanaugh hearings yeah. and Doctor Ford. I, I've come to terms with this thing that happened to me when I was fourteen over. The last 25 years, by the, when I was about 20, 20, 18, 19, I started going to therapy and really like digging into what it was because how I had classified it for a while and how I had tried to justify it in my brain, my little baby brain to make it okay for myself was not that I was raped. Like it was that I was in this relationship with this person. Well, and- yeah. And like I, I was, uh, not to interrupt, but just to say, you know, so people know what we're talking mm-hmm. about. I mean, the, the thing that I found the most disturbing, that story of mm-hmm. losing your virginity to you know and not having much say in it Mm -hmm. and it being a horrible experience is a fairly common story for sure i said right i just said to some friends i'm on this like one (laughs) i hate this is interrupting this but like sometimes group texts are Uh just the bane of my existence like i don't (laughs) i I get added to them and then i'm just like mute them but i am on this group text with a bunch of people that i performed within this show at largo the thrilling adventure hour show for years and they were all like sort of reaching out that day when I posted the picture of me at 14 and yeah. said I was raped yeah. and and I was like guys I the, I love you all so much and thank you so much and this is sadly the most unoriginal horror like it just is like it just I know so many women who have such similar stories and then even the way that like I tried to own it at age 14 and yeah. 15 and Right. Yeah, right. I'm a fucking slut. Like, yeah, and also you, like this is the way sex is. And oh this is yeah, how it happens. oh for sure. Yeah, I think there's a lot of women that don't identify those first experiences as assault or rape. I hope that we can start to have the conversation, and we can because now I have a ten year old daughter. Yeah, I mean, my friends have fourteen year old kids. My friend just texted me this morning, and she was like, "My, you know, our, our daughter is fourteen, and I was looking at your post again this morning, and just like." thinking of my kid and crying and I think that that also has shifted the way that I've been able to think about it being a parent of a young girl and seeing how little right like how little 14 is and we think we're grown-ups at that age you know when you're 14 or 15 you're like I'm there right I know what's up and I mean, to look at these babies and their little baby brains. I mean, they make no sense. They're like idiots, you know? (laughs) (laughs) But um, I I think that whole sort of like high school thing that there's some sort of strange pressure from, you know, all sides to to get that out of the way somehow. 
But I had, but I had so many friends that like that didn't, that didn't, it didn't work that way for them. They were like, like one of my best friends. I remember she was like dating this kid and like her mom sat her down. Her mom was just very progressive and liberal and like. She was young. She was like 15 right. or almost 16, maybe. Right. And she was like, let's go to the doctor. Let's get you on the pill. Right, right. And let's talk about things. Yeah. And You never got that. No, I never fucking got that. But Catholicism, right? right. I talk about that in the book. Well, I mean, it, it's it's heavy that those conversations don't happen. And I think like now as a parent yourself, how are you going to handle it? Well, we already, I mean, listen, my 10-year-old and I have already talked about sex. Like she asked a lot of questions and... Then just the other day, I got on Saturday, the day the day of the rage. Yeah, um, I was dropping her off at her little like theater program that she does, and I just a thing popped up that I had gotten an email from a girl I was really close with. Yeah, when I was fourteen, apologizing to me for what her like for not I don't know just for all of it I guess, and it just took my breath away a little bit. And Birdie was like, "What was that?" And I was like, "Oh, nothing, buddy. You know." I have this book coming out. You know that. And she's like, yeah, I know. And I said, so listen, if you see anything or read anything, I need you to, and you have questions, I need you to come talk to me about it because I will, I will tell you anything, but I want to be the one to tell you. So if anyone says anything to you, read any articles. About you. About me. Yeah. Like, come talk to me because right. I want to, I want to tell you. Yeah. So you can like manage the situation from that because you have no control over how people, no. it's, it's, it's the worst. It's, it's tricky being a public person. She didn't being... ask for this. No, <laughs> I don't. Neither did you, really. Well, I for sure did not. <laughs> That's the truth. <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, I guess like as she gets a little bit older, we'll we'll dig in. But we're just wholly different people. My husband and I, and he's a different kind of dad, and we're just different. Humans. Yeah, like how, like where? What's he come from? Mark comes from Maryland. <laughs> Is it what's the big difference in your approach? Um, I think that I think that we're just a little bit more participatory in terms of like, um, you know, I had a dad that was like very quiet and worked and yeah. came home, and it was like more like weirdly like a fifties structure. I mean, yeah. maybe that's the Catholicism too. Even though my mom had a job, like she was expected to like make dinner and have it on the table, like right, that sure. kind of thing. Yeah. Where'd you grow up? You grew up outside of Chicago. No, I was born in Oak Park in in outside of Chicago, and then uh, we moved to Arizona. I grew up in Arizona. Wow. I had um, I had like sort of my family was ha- had a really hard time with my book. Yeah, they're gonna. Yeah. Unless one of them's a complete, uh, you know, self-centered. My mother, even if I say kind of bad things about her, she's like, "That was cute. That was fun." <laughs> she, she's just thrilled that it's about Wait, her somehow oh sh- you have the advance i had to put i got you know like you they make you put like the quotes on the back uh-huh, of the book and uh-huh. so miranda july gave me one which was like so exciting for yeah. me and thrilling and tina fey gave me one and then i was waiting for other people people you know have their own timeline and whatever but yeah. the book had to like go to print yeah and so i just put the text that my mom sent me when yeah. she finished it which was like just finished your book it's a good book I love you. <laughs> That's it. But Just finish your book. It's a good book. Right. Great. But but you we're never ha- talking about this again. Right. But you have to commend her detachment on some <laughs> on some level. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yes. I mean, like you know, you know what you know what the subtext is, but she you know she didn't make it about her. That's true. Actually, you know what? That's true. Give it up to Barb Phillips. <laughs> 
I think that for a long time I was like I was like rearing to tell my stories. Yeah. And I tried to like sell a book of essays when I was in my mid twenties. When and, you were on what show? What was ugh. your what was your uh your it was probably like post profile. it was probably like right post Dawson's Creek. So people knew who you were and you had an opportunity? Yeah. Well, no, no. I mean I I talked to a book agent and I gave her some essays that I had written yeah. about a lot of the early stuff that was in the book and she was just like, No, this is not no. She was I mean, truly the quote was um I think that people aren't gonna care so much about you know losing your virginity and um, pregnancy scares they want to know more what it was like to work with Katie Holmes <laughs> and I'm like oh well I'll give you that too but yeah. sit through the fucking rape you know <laughs> I had to rape aside what was it like uh, working with Katie Holmes yeah right exactly <laughs> it felt want. so dismissive and heartbreaking and right. I was like well fuck you all right fine I'm not writing a book At that but point, I'm glad yeah. I'm glad well, yeah. I needed more perspective right and you have it. I have it now. And then you have motherhood and you have all new experiences and you've all turned out things. okay and you're self-aware. It's happening a little bit. Some days. <laughs> some days are better than others. But uh, but at that point, even then, you had framed it as a rape? No. Not So then. it's lucky that you didn't yeah. write the book then. Right. Because you, what would you have said? That's what, right. Well, right. That's right. I actually went back and read that essay. Yeah. Um. That I waited until after I was finished with this version of yeah. the book. And what was how it? It was more. I mean, it's more just like more gray. It's just gray. It's just more gray. I, I don't. You put the more uh, more onus on yourself. Yeah, but even to this. But even when I posted, so when I posted the thing on Instagram, yeah, and I said the word raped, I truly had like. I it was like a panic attack like I called my husband Mark I was in New York doing press and yeah. I called him and he was like I'm so proud of you and I was like but I I I feel I, I it was just so just even admitting that publicly even though I write about it in the book I don't even know I don't know what the distinction is between the two things seeing it in black and white and with that picture of me I don't know it was really a hard it's been a hard few days actually it's just been a really hard few days for me yeah and when you say that like that in framing it the way you have framed it now which is what it is how how do you see what was the learning of how it affected your life i mean like was it did it's been you, a fucking shit show i mean not not <laughs> not the admitting of it but like oh, the right. actual event because like you yeah, know no, yeah like it, was that a revelation that sort of like oh this is why i do this this is why this I have happens yeah i have like intimacy right. issues i have problems trusting myself and right. my own feelings and knowing what's real and what isn't right I, in terms of love, in yeah. terms of other people, and yeah. other people, and especially, you know, my Mark and I write, a, I write a little bit about like some of the because he and I've been together now, oh, thirteen years, I guess, like, yeah, a long time, and I write a little bit about how how tricky things have been for us to try to navigate. Although I don't think that's unusual, but no. there's other stuff that's not in the book that is, you know. It's 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 horrible to not be able to, you know, to to know what to not be clear uh, as to what love is. Right. And and also to like, you know, not 
trust your own feelings about it for for whatever reason you know rape is a, a very specific reason but sometimes just absent parents right emotional like you right so you like it, it were you in were you a drama person in terms of relationships before like yeah it, but also like mark and i were talking about it he's very i picked a dude who was very similar to my dad in a lot of ways like when mark and i isn't that always the way? Always the fucking way. Fucking Freud. And even so yeah. annoying. Even when you think you don't, like there's that initial period yes. you're like, this person's nothing like then yes. like about six months in, you're like, what the fuck? It's yes. just the other parent. Yes. Like, you yes. know, like, like how did I get my dad this time? It's, Usually it's my mom. I know. It's insane. And Mark had all of those things like which weren't sort of initially apparent. Right. Yeah. And then once we had Birdie, he like pieced out and was just like like just just like very much like my dad like the just, first kid the first kid like not doing anything not taking and i it was on all on me like i had to wake up with her all the time and it's all all of this shit is so crazy right now in terms <laughs> of like what men's responsibilities are yeah. how we like redefine roles in relationships and parenting and things like that like it is. Tr- it's really complicated because there is a certain thing where, like, no matter what, the mom is the fucking mom. And, right. like, that's what the babies want. <laughs> Mommy. The babies want the mom. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, dudes. Right. But is that a problem? It's not a problem unless you feel completely unsupported and, like, there's not a and person resentful. there. And, yeah. And, and then you, yes. Yeah, and then, and then, you, then you get resentful. And then you you code the kid wrong. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you want to make sure you give the kid the right code, brain code. Yeah, yeah. We maybe coded Birdie a little bit wrong. But cricket, we are like nailing it. Well, She's good. so good. She's like a well, little. The, but the the fortunate thing about the first one is that how what's the age difference? Well, they're five years apart. All right, so the center of attention for that long, yeah. they, that's going to carry her a long way. I know. You know that that confidence of being that <laughs> it won't break down until she's like nineteen. I know. <laughs> I always say to her, I'm like, dude, you're going to be in therapy talking about me for years. So you may as well just like get get on board. It's going to be fine. Yeah, I, it, it's it, it, it always I don't know. I, I You know, I'm with you on that. Intimacy is tricky, you know, and you don't realize how guarded you are until that one day where you're like, am I even present in this yeah. thing? Yes. <laughs> Wait, am I talking to a wall? Is all this drama just for, what I used to find? I guess I'm talking about me, which is not unusual. <laughs> I like it. Is that. um. If you create enough drama just naturally, like uh-huh. you, you're emotionally wired or coded in a certain way that you are going to seek, you know, what you grew up with. Right. It's just, it, and you don't know what's happening. But like if I was a guy that was always in like very kind of like yelling, dramatic, crazy, and I was yelling and dramatic and crazy. So there's all this emotion going around. And when you have that and you make up or you it mm-hmm. settles down, you're like, see, this is intimacy. This is like is we it. have to arc out <laughs> and make it Did crazy. Did you grow up in like a screaming household like me? I grew up in an uh, emotionally erratic household. My father was detached, but when he was engaged, it was not always good. Yep, same. You know, like he wasn't around much, and when he was around, mm-hmm. either was sort of like, where's my uh, hammer? Right, right, right. And that was like a day. Yeah. It's like, you know, or, we're going skiing, where's my hat? And that was like a fucking day. Right. Or like, why'd you, you know, and my mother was just kind of like into her own trip. Uh-huh. But it wasn't, you know, it, I think they were both self-involved. Yeah. And so, like, you know, I, I kind of naturally, I'd done some reading on the whole kind of what we do when your parents are emotionally detached or, mm-hmm. or overly, uh, you know, boundaryless or whatever. Right. Is that you self-parent and the way that you innately do it, it's not great. The right. parent you choose 
is going to be one that's going to be a little hard on you and it's going to end up you know with all that kind of like self-doubt and all yeah. that shit what so you grew up in a, a that loud, speaks to me does it <laughs> yeah it does there, there's a book that just sort of blew my mind about what that. is that it's a little dense it's called the fantasy bond by this okay. guy robert firestone but he, he really talks about you know these these bonds you make to sort of as as like stand-ins for your parents mm-hmm. and that like your own attempt here's the deal you want the key to it yeah which is like fucked up the thing that blew my mind is that when you're young if you're not feeling cared for or you're feeling uncomfortable in the world or you're feeling emotionally ill at ease or ill-supported at that point you're taught almost innately that your parents are your parents and they're always good right so at that young age you 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 just naturally blame yourself right right so okay right mm-hmm. so that's like a hell of a burden yeah like you know parents are always good it must be me and then you know whatever you do to sort of parent that is sort of like you asshole right like, yeah you're so fucking that, garbage right so that that was kind of a big kind mark of idea. doesn't understand my mark doesn't understand he's sometimes like looks at me and he's like what goes on in your brain you are so hard on yourself look at this like look at your life and what you've done and who you are and how people respond to you I know. why do you think you're garbage and then you're like because of this one tweet yes. did you see the one tweet from from the guy with no name <laughs> this, this one guy didn't this, thought I was stupid in Dawson Creek and like I don't know who he is oh my god Mark um a million years ago like basically pre-internet do you remember that on IMDB there used to be like chat boards on IMDB so I used to troll my own IMDB and see the horrible things that people would write about me and I I mean there could be and you know because you just said it there could be Four million. Yeah. Oh, you! I love you. You. She's the greatest. And then there's one guy, and yeah. I was so fixated on this guy. I wrote this crazy response that was like two pages long and posted it on IMDb. I was must have been like 20 years old at the time. But uh, it's the dude. I I was <laughs> when I did radio. Some guy wrote this shitty email about me, and I emailed him back to ask him what specifically about me was the big problem. And we went back and forth to the point where he said, "Why do you keep?" Emailing like what is that like all of a sudden i'm the guy who's pestering him yeah because it's some sort of fucked up speedball where you're like we love you yeah you're the best okay Mm -hmm. yeah you're you're shit like what the fuck is that yeah i i I guess it speaks to our own you know yeah that it triggers that that thing we feel about ourselves and you're sort of like this guy's right yeah that's the one he that's knows. the one I'm listening to. He knows. I said to Mark last week, because you know I have this talk show that's about to come, that starts in a couple weeks. Busy tonight. Busy tonight on E! Four nights a week. And um, and I said to Mark, I don't think I can handle people being mean to me. I don't know what I'm going to do when it starts to happen. Because I'm not, I understand it will happen. I know people are going to, she's grating, she's annoying, I hate her voice. Why is she fat and ugly and horrible whatever i don't know whatever they're gonna say that in between 90 fuck this bitch right fuck this bitch oh god what am i gonna do what am i gonna do i'll tell you what you do okay no you you tell me no you okay he said he said we gotta you gotta stop you gotta stop reading stuff he's like i think you gotta do a little self-preservation and not read the stuff just like don't just shut it down well that that is what you got to do and it's hard but like you know i don't i don't don't do you have a google alert on your name no don't do that and also like i have found we had we had a comment board on our on our the website for the podcast which is like this minor traffic and 
what happens is a lot of times is that communities form around trolling bullshit. Right. So if you really look at it, a lot of times it's like nine people who just constantly post. Right, right, right. Right, you know? But Instagram's been like very instrumental I'm bad in at it. my Yeah, you're like a star thing. on Instagram. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I went from being like a moderately successful television actress to an yeah, Instagram, Instagram superstar. <laughs> influencer. Yeah, an influencer. That's a new word, right? Influencer yeah. and content. Yeah, all, all, my content's my, my content's huge, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Fuck it. I got a TV show and a book deal out of it, so whatever. No, no, it's great. But like, you do have to like not use comment boards to uh, kind of beat the shit out of yourself. And I, you know, it, it, it's hard. Here's, well, here's like, here's, here's the truth of the matter is like, you know, being triggered, not in a sexual way, but in, yeah, yeah, in, yeah. A, in a sort of shame or, or, or like, you know, I, I'm a piece of shit way. Mm -hmm. yeah, you, there, there, there is a point where you, your instinct is sort of like, why? And, but then you like, if you just wait a second, like it's like anger too. If you get, you know, just wait a minute and, and don't do anything about mm -hmm. it and just realize like, that's nobody does he does he or she represents nobody it's not the internet saying anything it's one guy who or one woman what are they doing like right. it's just you know realize that it's just this one person could be at work bored right. Right. in a cubicle at, at a life they hate and right. they're like nimmy be 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 and and you a major sort of like <laughs> public personality or sitting there, they they don't they don't even think you read that. i know I know. And, and and here we are. Like, I spent my entire day going like, oh, my God, what the fuck? I don't even want to be in this business anymore. I know. Over, you know what, like nine people? Yeah, that's the truth. I know. Well, we know this again. It's like the intellectual doesn't line up with the emotional. Like, I'm well aware. Right, but you just got to, like, can't. stop it's it. Also, just, like, it's scratching you know, that itch. It's like Yeah, the cutting. shame itch. It's like cutting. Yeah, it's yeah. like oh. how I used to watch. <laughs> you know, it is like, like cutting. It is. It's like our new version. Because yeah, like, no. at least you're feeling something. At least you're feeling something. That's the Ugh. fucking worst. Yeah. But you yeah. have, but you have all these other things in your life. You're feeling like you have children. You I know, do you have, have children. And, yes. and like every day, <laughs> you know, the, the the amazing joy of that. It's so fucking hard, Mark. Okay. I don't have any. Yeah, it's tough. You're not selling it. Listen, <laughs> I my kids are incredible. I'm yeah. so glad I had them. Right. They're awesome humans and i hope will add to the world in some positive way of course they will but um it is difficult i bet you know i it's like i i was fortunate in that i i knew like i was the kind of person like i never really thought about having them it was never a goal in my life i was like i'm gonna have a family yeah so when i actually didn't for different reasons right. you know like i i just didn't, i never thought about it i don't think it's unusual for men to not have that feeling my brother loves it like, i know but like my husband like truly i've basically like forced didn't force children but i just when we decided we were going to get married i was yeah. like you know i'm i want children he's like yeah i mean i could take it or leave it like he didn't yeah he but didn't now, have like, any desire he had no desire to did, have children is he is he born again daddy now though like i mean yeah is he like, he's like the, he's, all in yeah all that's in. what happens like no i don't care in. and then when it happens like oh my god he's like obsessed but yeah, we both like make, we both hate that thing though with dudes where they're like, never known the joy of hold, like yeah, I yeah. do with holding my baby. Mark's like, I mean, I guess, I don't know. Um, I just feel like, you know, like this is the one decision I made one way or the other that I, I don't really have that much regret. When I talk to people, 
you know, my age, you know, who are now have kids in their you know 20s mm-hmm. or people like in your age group. That it's it's always like I love them, but God damn it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't horrible that I missed that. I don't always know what to do with myself. I get to nap more. I'm so I- <laughs> fascinated by that. I'm but- fascinated by my friends who've chosen to not have children and like, what is your day? Like, what is your life? Like, it's so I remember are you when- saying that with envy. And yes. Like, oh, <laughs> envy. But like also just like. I don't know. So much of our time is just spent like dealing with the kids and yeah. kids stuff. Oh, consumed. And you can't clean your house. You just take for granted that you're going to slip on a toy. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's never ending. Food everywhere. Dirty dishes everywhere. Well, I met Mark. Mark's older than me. He's um he's nine years older than me. And when I met him, he was in his 30s and I was in my 20s. And he legitimately slept until almost like 11.30 oh my god every day you can't do that when you're in your 50s won't happen you just wake up it's the worst but you know I, I, I wrote a joke about it <laughs> I do like I like my my English. I'm I, you know I'm not a god person, but if there is a god, this uh, the waking up early makes me wonder because it's sort of like God saying like you better get up. There's not a lot of time left. You're running Almost out. You, you might want to be awake for this. It's like that thing when you're pregnant. You yeah. know, you, in the first trimester and the last trimester, you have to wake up like four times a night to pee. Like your body just does it. I wake it's, up twice, but it's it's my prostate. It's not. Pregnant. But, but I'm telling. But I think that that's like <laughs> that's like by design for pregnant women, so that because once the baby comes, you have to wake up four Inter- times oh, yeah. a night to feed them. Like yeah. it's like getting you ready. So I'm just wondering what. Oh yeah, what the waking. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you I, ready I, for? I <laughs> it's getting me ready for like you know you've got a limited amount of time to try to experience happiness. Oh God. Or or feel peace of mind. I don't know, but like all these things, I think you're right because there are fucking lizards that change colors to trees so right. they don't get eaten right. or they can eat things. And, you know, to think that as complex as we are, that there's not all these built-in things. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure there are scientists and research on this. We just don't know what they are and we'd rather speculate. Yeah, I it's like that It's more better. fun to see. Oh, yeah, speculating <laughs> is great. But you, but you guys are both doing the parenting thing and it sounds pretty good. It's all right, yeah. Like, when I think about having children, right now I'm, I'm, I'm nervous for the kid in the crib. Like just thinking about him, like is he is he alive in there? Should we go in and look? You have no idea. That I is don't. like that. It is truly the most terrifying year of your life. The first year. Yes. Oh my god. Just like, sort of like, is it okay? I is had, she all right? I also really had. And you're anxious anyways. I'm anxious anyways, and I had horrible like postpartum anxiety, which I didn't even know was not a depression. Thing. Everyone talks about postpartum depression. Postpartum anxiety is like, I mean. The fucking worst. I was paralyzed with anxiety. I'm just terrified. How could you not be? I'm paralyzed now from you talking about it. It was really stressful. But it turns out they're, they, you know, they, like, th- this is the one thing that I, I, t- I take from talking to parents is that, you know, once they become their own person, they're a little more resilient than you expect. Right. Right? Like, you know, like you're talking about your 10-year-old. Yeah. She's formulating her own ideas. You can put yours in. Yeah. You know, and do the best you can. But ultimately, they're going to be their own people. Yeah. One way or the other. Yeah. And hopefully, they're, they're, they're good. They're grounded. She's so her own person already. Yeah. How- Somebody said, this might have been Oprah. I may have seen this on Oprah when I was a kid that like by the age of four or something like that, you're barring trauma. You just are who you are. So like four. Yeah. So like a kid's personality by the age of four, that's how that kid is going to be for their entire life. Barring trauma, which we know can affect people. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. But I kind of anecdotally, just with my two kids, already see it. It's really? true. Yeah. Like Birdie is the same human that she was when she was four years old. Like the same way she reacts to problems the same way. She throws temper tantrums at the same thing. Uh-huh. She's like frustrated by the same things. Her insecurities are the same. Like all of it's the same. You should write this down. Yeah. For when she's older. And, and so you can just say her. like, look, you're really, you know, this is who you are. And we have to. You You've know. always been this way. <laughs> <laughs> You've always been this way, kid. I wrote a, a line once that said, the uh, the monster I've created to protect the kid inside me is hard to manage. <laughs> <laughs> me too. I know, right? Yes, my monster is fucking rough. It is. Yes. Yeah, I know. And I it, said to Mark yesterday, we were in an elevator and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm such a fucking bitch. <laughs> I'm sorry. What I'm did you such do? such a pain in the ass. What did you do? I don't, nothing. You I don't just, know. It's just another moment in my life. Another day. Well, how do you- tough. Well, like when when you track that, all right, so you're growing up in Arizona. Which mm-hmm. town? Scottsdale. That's where my brother lives. Oh, really? Where? My first wife lived in Scottsdale. Oh, my, really? My first uh, wife lived right at the base of uh, of uh, Camelback the Monk. Mountain. Yeah, is that the one? Yeah, that's yeah. Camelback. Yeah, where the monk uh-huh. is. Uh huh. Yeah, they they have lived in that old development yeah. right there. I knew exactly what you're talking about. You ended up there from Chicago because your dad what had a job? Yeah, my dad's a nuclear engineer, and he a scientist. I guess is that right? Yes. Okay. I mean, yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> is it is that wasn't he's an engineer, an engineer, but nuclear, yeah. but it's, nuclear. it's it's definitely math heavy. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. yeah. But like that would account we for. I never really knew what he did growing up. Like we really it? had no idea. Do you now? No, he's retired. Um, <laughs> I was but, sworn to secrecy or you just well, don't know. Exactly. For a while, I was like hoping that he was like a secret agent for the CIA. That was like that to me. That was like the story I was creating in my head that yeah. could like explain why he didn't talk to us. Right. <laughs> right, right. Sworn to secrecy. If he told you, he'd have to kill you. Yeah. So right. that's why we didn't know. Yeah. Um, but he worked for a private consulting firm out of Chicago and then was transferred or needed to go to work at the Palo Verde nuclear plant in Arizona. And so we were trans- he was transferred there and we, we moved there. It was supposed to be like a temporary consulting job. And yeah. It, it ended up being forever. Well, I'm just saying that might account for some of the, I, I guess it's sort of a uh, stereotyping but but you know usually the engineer sort of mathy people are not the most emotionally available folks yeah <laughs> he also wasn't on, he i know like in the last 10 years or so he like has gone on antidepressants and oh, yeah. is like a totally more engaged yeah person and they also they uh, they seem to soften up a bit yeah as they get older you know when you know when grandkids come and you know when you know the things start yeah they they start forgetting <laughs> i guess their, so their life I guess. No, he well, has bless, bless him. Yeah, yeah. no, he ha- he has. He loves, he, he's great with the girls and my sister's got two kids and. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's just you and your sister? Yeah. And so your mom was like basically, she, she worked too? My mom was a real estate agent. Yeah. Wow. She wanted to be an actress, Mark. Of Is that, course. Yeah. So. She did? Yeah. So you lived with that? There, yeah. yeah. How, how, so how is it? Over the times, uh, over time, how's it? How has she adjusted to you living her dream? I mean, I think uh, that we had kind of different dreams, but um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> just, what did she want to be? She wanted to be like a Broadway, oh yeah, like singer, yeah, star. Oh really? Yeah. Was she from New York? No, she was from Chicago. They're both Chicago. Uh-huh. They met in high school. Do they talk Chicagoy? Oh yeah, my mom. Yeah. Oh sure. yeah. Oh yeah. That's great. Never goes away, right? Never goes away. Do you still have family in Chicago? Um. Yeah. My my two aunts. My dad's sister and my mom's sister both live there. I so. love Chicago. I do too. I'm going there on my book tour. 
No, it's great. I know. It's really, it's like really kind of an amazing city. It is amazing. I I know, and I feel it's interesting because even though we moved away when I was five, I spent almost every summer of my childhood. My grandparents lived there, and aunts and uncles, and so we spent a great chunk of summer vacation every year in Chicago in Oak Park and then going to Wisconsin to Lake Geneva. And yeah. so I feel like a very strong connection to to it, even though I really grew up in Arizona. Yeah, I'm the same way with Jersey. Like I'm from genetically from New Jersey. Both my parents are from Jersey. My <laughs> grandparents were there. I grew up going there, but I didn't grow up there. I grew up in New Mexico. But I think I'm fundamentally God, you're in New Mexico. I grew up in Albuquerque. No wonder I like you. <laughs> Southwest. Yeah, it's yeah. a really specific thing. It is. And and it's uh Arizona's a little different than New Mexico. It's a little more cowboy y white y ish. Oh yeah. You For know, sure. Like New Mexico is pretty like a little more kind of hippie ish and Latino. Yeah. But uh but yeah, it's a similar vibe. You can appreciate the uh, mesas. The mesas and the de- there's something about the desert and the sky and the wide open oh, spaces. Oh, it's great. I, and, I fucking love Arizona yeah. when it's like 110. Me too. And you're outside walking yeah. and you're just high because you get immediately dehydrated. Yeah. You don't even need drugs. You're just yeah. sort of like, what is happening? Yeah. And you're like, oh, I'm about to pass I'm out. I'm about to pass out. <laughs> and like monsoons, like people don't understand monsoons. Oh, the unless 10 minute they, hard yes, rain? Unless they grow up in the Southwest. It's, it's just a, like really a specific energy. It's so beautiful. People that grew up there. That's interesting. So how do you get out of Arizona? I mean, and before that, like, you know, how 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 heavy was the Catholicism trip? We were pretty pretty religious, I guess. My yeah. family. I mean, I was really into church, and I really liked it. Um, do you go now? No. Mm. My mom, actually, to her credit, yeah. When the first round of. Um, like revelations about the abuse in the church came out in like the mid 2000s whenever that went I don't know yeah. what, you know yeah. she like she was like I'm done with the catholic church I, I I've asked and people she, that on stage like what's yeah. it going to take yeah and she but like I just have to you know like my mom was like we're done and so she switched to an episcopalian church oh nice <laughs> kept jesus in just lightened the load a little <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Well, I think it was really hard for her, but she was just like, I don't want to be a part of this system. I won't be a part of this system. The system that's been going on for thousands of years. Thousands of years. But I think that for someone like my mom, she didn't really, I don't know, I guess she didn't really, she didn't know. But were you brought up afraid of hell? Yes. Mm. So that's heavy. Yeah, I guess so. Um I'm trying to think. But then, it, you know, but then it just like, I don't know. You get older and you're then like, what I is like, it? Fuck this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but, but, the, but like with all this anxiety and all this, uh, you uh-huh. know, insanity that you have and all the feelings that you have, you do, do you seek a spiritual component? No. And I feel like I should. And I also weirdly feel like my daughters need it. I feel like Birdie would really benefit from. It's hard, right? Isn't it hard, so to, hard. to engage after a certain point? It's yes. like, how do you do that? Like, you know, meditation seems pretty non-denominational yeah. and, and soothing, but like, yeah. I, I don't know, like, I was never brought up with any concept of God. So, like, for me to find it now, I, I think, I'd, you know, I'd have to be in pretty big trouble. <laughs> yeah. And, like, even, like, Birdie just always has been sort of an unbeliever, which is kind of dope for her. But, you know, like, even when our cat died when she was three and our nanny came and got her, my husband and I were, like, literally a mess when yeah. the cat died. Yeah. Um, there's nothing like losing an animal, you I know. I can't take it. I know my cats are old and someone's going to go. It's like truly the worst. Those are the longest relationships I've had with anybody. Are those two dumb cats in there? 
<laughs> buddies, those little buddies. Yeah. Well, our nanny came and took Birdie for the day because Mark and I were like, <laughs> just grief stricken. Yeah. We couldn't deal. We couldn't parent. It was like a Saturday. And how'd she handle it? Birdie was fine. But then she came home and she was like, Ileana told me that the cat went to cat heaven. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. What did she, <laughs> what did she say exactly? And she's like, yeah, that... Um, you know, there's this place and when you're good, you get to go there and when you die and that's where the cat went. And then she was, this girl was three and a half years old Yeah. and then she was silent for a minute and she goes, well, I don't think it's real. And I was like, what? You don't? And she's like, yeah, I think it's just saying that to make me feel better. And I was like, oh shit. Yes, that's correct, Birdie. Yes, you're right. Yeah. And it didn't work apparently. Yeah, it didn't work. She was just like so skeptical. Oh, that's what I say about her. She was, she's like the most skeptical human I've ever, she was skeptical like in her little pram when strangers would come like, oh, look at this beautiful baby. And she was a beautiful baby. Look at this beautiful baby. And she would just give them a side eye like, who the fuck are you? Easy. easy. Yeah. Yeah. She's always been. Step back. That's what I'm saying like she was that person from month two you know yeah, or whatever right. and she still is that person that's wild it's wild but like i think a lot of people like given you know what what i share with you which is this anxiety experience and this it's a lot of that has to do with future thinking mm-hmm. too right like well what's gonna tomorrow i gotta oh, f- do you do that like next week i'm gonna is it like do you have that kind of anxiety or is it just free-floating like it's free-floating mm. it's all over the place but yeah that kind of stuff right now i think i'm in the throes of like i have a big yeah four weeks coming up ahead of me and um i'm trying to like remain cool but it's stay in the present staying in the present but it's real hard most of the time the only time i'm fully present is when i'm talking to someone in here or i'm on the stand-up stage mm-hmm. you know stuff like that mm-hmm. you know uh, other times i'm half you know, half in, half out. Acting half used to do it to me too. Yeah, it stopped. Well, I stopped acting. Oh, but it lasted all the way through. <laughs> yeah, whenever I do it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, that's good. So you can really get possessed and like you're in. Yeah. Well, you kind of have to. Yeah. But like, but sadly, what I've learned from TV in in, in my small experience with television is that like, yeah, it you can it, it'll you can do it when you're acting, but it's usually in three minute chunks, right? Separated by about an hour or two to reset. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Like, I never realized that because I'm kind of a jacked person. And, like, when I started acting, on my show, I was writing, producing, and acting Mm -hmm. and everything. But on Glow, like, I do my scene, and then it's like six hours. And I'm like, holy fuck. Yeah. And you're just like, what do you do? Take a nap. Yeah, I, and I hate the trailers. I hate trailers of any kind. So I end up just sitting around on the set like I'm yeah, working there. Yeah, but that's kind of its own exhaustion because there's so much energy flying around on a set. And so, you're so a trailer like, person? Um, yeah, like on Cougar Town, we had rooms, like we had dressing rooms, oh, which yeah. is really nice. Yeah. And so I would always, but I worked a lot on that show because we there was so much, we were in, you know, it was like sort of like more a traditional sitcom. So we were like all in every scene right. kind of. It was all studio? It wasn't, but, was yeah. it? No. Yeah, yeah, it was, really. Mm-hmm. And we had like a little back lot thing that we shot on. Right. Um, so you actually had your own like r- like hotel room almost. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And you could go out in the hall and there'd be a buffet. So it's all, <laughs> yeah. I, I took off all this weight just to prepare because I know when I start glow again that I'm just going to get fat. Like in, in seven weeks, it's just going to keep going. You love craft services? It's not that I love it. It's just like I'm, a, I'm sitting around and it seems like every couple of hours someone comes out and goes like, there's Indian food back there. Or like, <laughs> hey, it's Mexican today. Hey, there's dim sum in the back. And you're like, what? And you're like, well, this is great. I it's did, like being on a cruise ship. Yeah, I think it's different for um, women actresses. I used to just do meal delivery. 
when I was working. Just so you don't yeah, and blow then up? It, and then my brain, I would be like, well, you're only allowed to eat the things in the box. <laughs> you can't and eat. You did it. Yeah, you can't eat anything that doesn't come in that box. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I'm not, I'm, I'm sort of, uh, uh, you know, my body image shit is, is more culturally feminine than it is masculine. Interesting. But, but I think there are a lot of male anorexic-y kind of guys who think about food all the time. But like for me, like I know that I'll be strong for about three weeks. Mm-hmm. But then that, that one day where you're like, I'm just going to eat half that yeah. donut. I'm going to eat half that donut. You know, it's okay. But then you circle around to see well, if Why anyone... do you, I feel like you and I are the same person. It's really <laughs> weird. <laughs> But you circle around to see if anyone ate the other I can do three weeks. Half. Three weeks is my max right. for being like real good. And yeah. I can get real skinny yeah. and look real hot. Yeah. And then I'm like, that donut fucking calls. Oh, fuck, man. It's such good donut, yeah. too. The day you do it. But do you circle around like, I'll eat half of one in the box and then I'll <laughs> come back around and it's like, fuck, no one ate the other half. And then I'll literally break off another quarter. Yeah. And then eventually eat the whole donut. Yeah. I mean, my thing is like I, I do candy. I get like into candy. Which, can, which candies? I'm into gummies. Really? See, yeah. I'm not a gummy guy. Oh, I love it. And then and then do you, I don't know if you have this from Albuquerque, um, chips and salsa. Oh, yeah. And like guacamole. I, oh, cool. Like that's like my downfall is truly just nachos. Remind me, give you a jar of this stuff that I, my uh, stepmom just sent me. Why? I just called her my stepmom. My dad's wife. I mean, she, I was 35. <laughs> you know, I like that she's your stepmom. That's cute. Um, but she, I don't know where they got it, but like she brought me, they were here a while ago and she brought me three jars of this green chili salsa. Oh, love it. But it, you can really taste the green chili. It's very specific, that New Mexico yeah. chili. So anyway, it's weird to say, cause yesterday I, I just decided to Instagram about it cause I had Instagram this horrible uh, cartoon that everyone got right. upset about. So I'm like, Hey, look, chili, you know, uh, there's <laughs> a picture of my cat, you know, I not, but, uh, <laughs> but <laughs> But like right after I tweeted it, I went outside and there were two boxes and it was filled with this stuff. And I'm like, that was quick. On a Sunday, they saw my Instagram post. How'd they do post. it? It was my, it was my dad's wife sent me, oh had sent him three days ago for my birthday. Oh my God. So I've got two crates of this shit. It was really just your birthday. 27th, yeah. Oh, happy birthday. Thank you. Anyway, so we're talking about food and talking about Cougar Town. That was a big show for you. Yeah, it yeah. was. How do you end up acting in Arizona? Where, how do you get from there to here? I just always knew I I did all the theater stuff and school theater and commu- some community theater musicals. I, yeah, I did musicals. I sang. Yeah, oh, I sang. Yeah, um, and I just always knew that's what I wanted to do. And, um, and I, I, you know, and my mom was very adamant that I graduate from high school and do at least two years of college was yeah. the thing that they always would say drill into me and so i applied for colleges in los angeles because i knew that i wanted to start working as soon as i could yeah and i got into Loyola marymount university and cal arts and i chose lmu and um and just like just i just knew like i just knew that i needed to do it right and the timing was really great because it was 1990 seven 1998 when i got out here yeah and um and people were looking for like the next teen show because dawson's creek ironic that i then ended up on the show had just hit it was so huge that all the networks like wanted another teen show yeah you need like kids that are 18 and 19 to play 16 so that they can work all the long hours right right so you don't have to have the teacher on set yeah so it wasn't hard for me to get an agent like it just was like a perfect the perfect timing so i got an agent and then i got freaks and geeks like second semester sophomore year i did the pilot for freaks and geeks and and uh, do you remember your audition and everything yeah i remember it very clearly and was with judd yeah judd and paul Paul and jake 
cast yeah. in. And Allison Jones had brought me in a bunch for another show she Allison had cast uh-huh, called Roswell. Yeah. And um, I had made it pretty far on Roswell. Yeah. But um, didn't get the part. That went to Katherine Heigl. And um, and uh, so she brought me in straight for those guys. And I was reading the part of Lindsay Weir that Linda Cardellini ended up playing. And Paul, after my reading, was like, oh, Busy, this is a, oh, we're writing this other part. And uh, will you just take a look at it? She's going to be in the pilot. She's a friend of Lindsay's. And um, we think you could, you, you should read that. Take, that. take that outside for a few minutes and come back in. I was like, okay, cool, whatever. And I went out and read it. I mean, like five, ten minutes, truthfully. Yeah. The audition was in the Palisades. And I was living in in Inglewood, (laughs) which meant the 405. And it was like getting to be about 5 p.m. And all I could think was like, fuck this. I'm going to have to drive back to LMU. This sucks. (laughs) So Allison came out and she's like, are you ready? I was like, yes, I need to go right now. (laughs) And I I went in and did it did like did it one time. I think that was it. The two scenes, the Kim Kelly scenes from the pilot. Yeah. It's so wild that show, like for its short life, has been you know it's so important to so many people. Yeah, it's wild. I didn't watch it till much later. Like I didn't see it when it was on originally, but like because I miss everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like I ended up watching the whole series like within the last six or seven years. Yeah, I watched it and I'm like, holy shit, this is my childhood. Yeah, you, you know, it was. Such I bet a- it is. Because it was, it yeah. took place in like the what the 80s or it's 70s. It's supposed to be 1980. Yeah. Yeah, because I graduated high school in 81. So like it was so like you. I know these all of these people. You're Jason Siegel. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I bet you are. Yeah, a little. <laughs> I, I kinda know him now. Yeah. He's a, he's an intense guy. Yeah. <laughs> he and I lost touch, but um that's all right. He's that very happens. positive these days. That's good. Maybe we can get back in touch. I don't know. What, what we lost touch on purpose? I don't know. Like, yeah, we just had some weirdness. It's oh, fine. Yeah. It's all fine. I always like that's been my one sort of weirdly because as a, a fan primarily of of people who do things with like I I'll, every time I have actors in here, I'm always sort of like, so you guys, you still hang out? And ninety percent of the time, like, no, nah, I don't talk to them. Enough. I mean, it's yeah. interesting though, Mark. I'm still friends with like almost all of the women that I've worked with. Yeah. You know, like I've like maintained friendships. Like I've always left every acting job with like a really close. Where, where are friend. you and Katie Holmes at right now? <laughs> She's great. Well, Michelle, I took Michelle from that show. Yeah, I, from I took her. Creek. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your relationship seems like I mean, you know, I I have friends that I've had for years. Yeah, but like I don't see them. You yeah. know, and I I really you know most of them live in other places, and I don't stay in touch with people. Well, I'm not. You know, I have a lot of people I know, but I don't take time to spend time with people. Mm-hmm. So in, oh, I was looking at that vulture piece of that sort of tracked your relationship oh, wow. uh-huh and it's just like all the pictures and i was just sort of like that's nice to- <laughs> <laughs> that's really funny <laughs> it is nice but it it does take work like it requires work i mean you know i am like i think it's a i don't know if it's like my astrological sign or whatever but i am a keeper like i am a collector and a keeper and Loyal. i yeah, yeah, and yeah. I like make it a point, you know. And I've had moments where I fucked up, like I was did a kind of shitty thing to like a good friend of mine from high school. Yeah, a couple we or not a couple months ago, and yeah. I had to like own it and be like, I'm sorry, I flaked on you. Like, yeah, because that, that that must be tricky too, because there are those people from that part of your life where you're like, well, you're just big time now, and right. there's that whole other element of yeah, yeah, that's tricky, but um. You worked it out? Like, yeah, we worked it out. Oh, By the way, you know that Liz Flayhive? Yeah. Do you know that she and I have known each other since I was in high school? No. Because her now husband and I went to Jeff? high school. Yeah, yeah, we went to high school together. 
in Arizona. Uh-huh. And his little brother and I were, he was my boyfriend. Liz Fuehive's husband's brother was your boyfriend yeah, in and high so, school. Yeah. And so she dated Jeff when they were in college and right. I, was, I was in high school and I like met, I mean, met her then, like That's knew her so then. Wild. Isn't that crazy? Well, it's, a, it's sort of fascinating because of your career that like, you know, all these people that you've worked, because you've worked in movies and television since you were, what, 18 or 19. 19, yeah. That you kind of grew up with this yeah. whole crew. Yeah. And on some level, I know you can't think about it every day, but it must be kind of strangely and sadly interesting to see how everybody ended up. Like, you know, they're it's p- wild. Because yeah. Because some of the people you came up with are, are fucking bona fide superstars. Yeah. Huge. And some of them have fallen from grace and some of them have just kind of drifted away. Yeah. And like, yeah, I mean, I, I guess like, you know, as an outsider, my thought is like, what happened to that guy? And you're like, what do you, you don't know. Right. People go on with their lives. Yeah. It's a tough business. It's a tough fucking business. But even with me sometimes, like, I mean, I read comments where it's like, oh, I used to love her. What happened to her? It's like, dude, I'm still here. What are you talking about? Yeah, because no one like knows where to watch anything right. anymore. Well, that's the truth. I know. What even is television? Yeah, I just did 90 episodes of a show right. that no one saw. Right, yeah. exactly. Yeah. That's really funny. Yeah, that is true. But I have to assume like during like after like during Dawson's Creek, was that like the biggest visibility you had when you were younger? Was it Dawson's Creek or did it have, was it Cougar Town or when did it sort of like when were you sort of like, hey, there's that girl? No, I would say Cougar Town sort of more so than Dawson's Creek. I I was added to the cast the last two years of Dawson's Creek. Those kids were already like astronomical yeah. superstars. Right. They had been on the cover of Rolling Stone and all that shit. There's had a couple of them the, that are sort of like, where are they at? No, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. It's interesting. And it was interesting for me walking into that show coming off of Freaks and Geeks, which was like we all had felt like we were doing such a cool awesome thing we really did even at that time and yeah. i know that that show has lived on but we really did feel in the moment like this is special yeah and then and it was just like crickets like no one in the industry fucking cared none of us could get a fucking job after except for franco who was like got cast as james dean so right. it seemed like that was like a thing right. and but you know like seth developed that show with judd undeclared and yeah. like put Siegel on it as like a recurring part. What about Party Down? Wasn't that the next sort of incarnation of Freaks and Geeks? No. It wasn't, or was there somebody in it that Lizzie was Lizzie Kaplan. Okay, that, sorry. Did you read the chapter in my book where I was told I was too fat to be that part? No. Okay. Why don't you tell me about it? It was real fucking depressing. Well, it's just interesting that you brought it up, um, that you brought that show in particular up. But right after I had Birdie, I was really struggling and I had... Um, but the, you and Lizzie were friends. Lizzie and I are good. Yeah. Lizzie's yeah. Birdie's godmother. Yeah. Um, but she actually is really close with my husband. That's how we... She and I were on Freaks and Geeks. I mean, she was on Freaks and Geeks. She did yeah. like two episodes of Freaks and Geeks. But she... Wasn't Martin on Party Down too? Martin was on Party Down. Okay. That's right. right. You're right. right. You're right. You're correct. All right. Go ahead. Um, but anyway, I had Birdie. Financially, we were like in a fucking hole because I had like made a bad real estate thing and like couldn't sell my house and it was a disaster. We yeah. were so broke. I needed to get a job. I had just had this baby. I was like 40 pounds overweight. It was a nightmare. And I went in for Party Down. It was like going to be picked up. They were going to do 13 episodes or whatever. Rob Thomas and read with Adam Scott and they were like you're our girl we're so excited this is amazing I also loved that I was kind of chubby because and I was like losing weight because like you know how like those improv actors like move here from Chicago yeah. and then within a year they're like skinny and had a nose job and then they're like on SNL you know what I mean <laughs> yeah I just felt like as a character arc on a show about 
people who are cater waiters trying to make it in this business and like doing like I was just like that's the reality like the people move here from other cities and then they're like oh fuck like yeah. I was a big fish in that other right. city and now I have to like conform and right. figure it the fuck out so yeah. anyway we had like they were on board with that whatever and then the network it just came the network oh that was your character that you pitched that like you know I just moved here um, well they knew that I was like overweight from yeah. the baby right Ro- that Rob and and also Adam, but yeah. you know, like Rob Thomas, like he knew and he had just had a kid and whatever. And they were like, we're right. Like you're who we want for the show. That's it. It's fine. I don't, right. we don't care about your weight. Right. It's fine. And then stars was like, we care about her weight. Oh, And yeah. And, uh, my agent called me and I, I mean, I remember it so clearly. I was breastfeeding my kid. I was breastfeeding Birdie. And she was like, biz, I have terrible news it's not going to go our way and it's the weight and the <sighs> network can't see oh past my God. it the one moment that an agent's honest it has to be about that <laughs> i was like in i'm kind of like into it i'm yeah. into that she was honest with me and um and then rob thomas also like wrote me an email that was really kind and is actually in the book i asked him i emailed him whenever i was yeah. publishing the book and i asked for his permission and he he allowed me to put the email that he wrote yeah. me in the book yeah but it was a really really fucking disheartening moment in my career like among i mean many yeah. moments of like oh fuck this yeah but it sucked yeah and what 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 turned around eventually to get you out of the hole and stuff i got cougar town oh good like like few months a few months later and it's act, you, acting's hard man acting's the worst and bill lawrence you know is married to an actress krista yeah. miller and i remember i was so insecure about my weight going into like the network test and I said something to him about it. I was like, I just want you to know. I was wearing like 17 pairs of Spanx. And like, you know what I mean? Like I was like trying so fucking hard because I still was like a little bit up. Like I wasn't back to like fighting yeah. my fighting weight. And uh, and I said something to him about it. And he's like, no one no one cares, Busy. What are you talking about? Yeah, I don't even, this, I get, don't even see it. Just stop. Yeah. It's fine. This isn't that part. This isn't you, that. This yeah, isn't that. Yeah. We got Courtney Cox over yeah. here. We're fine. <laughs> it's cool if you're chubby. I'll tell you, man, it's like it's the, the acting thing, the waiting, because you're at so, so much at the disposal of other people's sort of, you know, flip opinions. And, like you know, like it could it could be one person in a room saying, like, nah, I don't like her hands and you're fucking out. That's it. It's like it's so fucked up. It's crazy. And being on the other side of it, like, Ugh. you know, even when my husband was doing his movie. And casting his movie and yeah. like hearing the things that fucking which one he just uh, he uh, I feel pretty that he directed that yeah with his longtime partner Abby yeah you were so good in that movie oh, and thanks. you know what the weird thing about that movie is is that look I know Amy for a long time yeah yeah and I you know it got such you know pre press for that oh, thing boy. was so brutal for oh, it, boy. and you know what I I I don't believe it. Like I, like I, like it was so weird because I just like two, three weeks ago I was on a plane and like, I like now everyone's seeing it now, but I like Amy a lot (laughs) and and I've, and I always have. And I watched it and like, she did such a great job. Great. in the movie, And and like the, and who wrote it? Did your husband? Yeah. He wrote it with his writing partner. That was really an amazing thing he did because the, the conceit of it's ridiculous. Yeah. But it's, it's performed so humanly. Yeah. That you you you're willing to accept it, and I'm not an easy guy to do that with. Like you know, this sort of magic sort yeah. of genie hit her head right, shit. Right, 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 right. But like once they start acting it, and he didn't go for any broad comedy, yeah. that I was sort of like, wow. I yeah. mean, this is they're really doing this. And uh, I I I emailed 
I emailed Amy like like the next day, early in the morning. I just emailed, you were amazing in that movie. And she goes, what a nice email to wake up to. Aww. Because she takes so much yeah, shit. So but much she, shit. But she acted the fuck out of that thing. She is so fucking good in that movie. It's crazy. I know. And you were so good. Thanks. The friends were so good. Thanks. I mean, it was, it was good. I was happy to see you. But it Thanks. was. But the, the comedy was so human based. Yeah. He, they wanted it to be very grounded. and like, Yeah. And, I, and it was like, it was a real kind of marvel like that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when I think outside of the feminist backlash of the movie before it came out. It was a feminist backlash to a fucking trailer. Right. <laughs> it was like the dumbest thing of yeah, all time. Yeah, but that on top of the sort of conceit of it, yeah. like, you know, probably alienated audiences. Yeah. But I thought, and Michelle is so good. What the fuck? It's amazing. This, she's just sort of like emoti kind yeah. of raw nerve of an actress. And she just does this <laughs> full on bit. It's yeah, she so just builds this good. fucking wacko character, but still believable. Yeah. I feel like also truly because Mark and Abby directed it is yeah. part. I mean, that's like I think that's a huge reason why Michelle was like willing to go but like, there. And her do comedy that. chops were so like so surprising. I know it's <laughs> really funny. Well, also like I, I mean, I said this in the Vanity Fair article about her. I think I don't know. Yeah, but like it's always you know she gets pegged as this thing a lot of times. But like I know her as very goofy and silly, and like we're able to have a lot of you know moments where it's not like us crying no of course of course i just think she just like doesn't put that out there professionally a lot but But i I think she's just one of those people as an actress she can go pretty fucking deep she can go so deep and very transformative yeah yeah and there's like very few people that can you know really Kind of keep doing that. I know. Like that. The and Casey's another one, and the two of them in that movie that was fucking nuts. Oh God, that scene, that fucking where, scene. Oh, where he where they meet each other? Yeah. That, oh, too much. It's too much. I was just like sobbing hysterically watching that. I'm getting choked up thinking about. I know. It. It's really intense. Yeah, it is. It is. But um, back to you. Yep. Uh, that was kind of about you and your husband yeah, and was. your performance. But like yeah. I and also I thought you were great in vice principals. That, I mean, that's a funny role. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, you're you're kind of you're one of those people that you're kind of uh, you're I don't know if it's a sort of like swagger, you know, that there's a <laughs> but no, there's a confidence to the characters yeah. you play. And it, it's like it reads as human because, you know, like a lot of it's coming from sort of weird insecurity. Yeah, of course. Right. Yeah. But that role seemed to, that must have been a blast to do. It was so fun. Well, basically what happened was that post cougar town i was like what the fuck am i gonna do do i just like jump on another network show and Uh try to like make a buck or whatever and then i got a call from my tv agent and he's like um teeny mcbride's doing this new show for hbo with david gordon green and jody hill we don't know what it is but like we don't even know what the part is no one knows like they just have these sides if that you have to audition and like you know I'm in a place like network television wise where like I don't have to audition for stuff, right. you know, which is nice. Yeah. Um, at this point, fucking 20 years later, hey, how you doing? Um, but you'd have to go in and audition for those guys, and I don't know, I don't, we don't know what it is. I was like, are you kidding me, Danny McBride? Yes, David yeah. Gordon Green, Jody Hill, fuck be, yes, be I'll hilarious go, and weird. I'll go audition for those guys. Yeah. And I went in like truly every actress I know. We all went in for that that show yeah. and none of us knew what it was yeah we had no clue um i think if they even told you what it was it'd be hard to wrap your head around yeah i think so too and yeah. like and then also it was a little bit like 
I kind of don't care like how big the part is or what yeah. the I like I just want to work I just wanted to work with interesting people yeah. and with those guys have such a vision and Danny I have to say and then we became really tight like really close friends and um, great guy he is truly one of my favorite people that I've ever worked with and <laughs> yeah. and like doesn't get the credit that I think he deserves for being kind of like a visionary yeah. in terms of the things that he like comedy the comedy that he does and that it's, it's crazy. like truly subversive yeah. and like people just think he is that guy they think that he's like some fucking redneck no he's like a sweetheart he's a sweetheart but he's also like turning it on its head and he like is able to do these shows where the people who sort of identify as that you know Kenny Powers or his like, yeah. character and vice principals like also enjoy it and then maybe are like a little bit confused <laughs> by yeah, yeah, yeah. what's happening fucking if, with their wires uh, yeah exactly and I think that people I don't know I feel like he doesn't get the credit he well yeah because the humanity he finds in these like completely sort of like overcompensating yeah. men it's it, kind it, of bonkers it, it's bonkers because you know you can the only reason they're appealing is you can feel the insecurity in every action like he's got that weird gift that I think Carell has it too and yep. Gervais when he mm -hmm, acts mm -hmm. where you're like these guys are horrible but like they're so sad it is so so, so sad and desperate <laughs> yeah and then also like the fact that like Danny wrote that show and it came out like right before Trump was elected but like it was almost like he fucking knew what was about to happen yeah. I don't know like I felt like it was just I don't know yeah, I feel like great. that show is Walton was great Hong Coggins is like truly. The, I mean, what the fuck? One of the greatest actors. It's crazy. Also an amazing person. Yeah, so I'd you love don't to have talk to, to be a fucking asshole to be like a truly awesome actor and performer. I think a lot of them. I I I find that I don't talk to that many actors, but I don't find them. Yeah, usually they're not assholes. You know, at worst they're bores. Mm. Okay. <laughs> but not. You but know, you haven't been on sets with them as a woman. So no, no, there no. You like, go. No, I, I just mean that sometimes. <laughs> They, for whatever reason, like John C. Riley told me, he's like, I don't want to talk about myself. So like right. they, like they, they are aware. Like some of the guys that that I've I've met and talked to, a lot of them like have a lot of space. Right. You know that they don't like talking about themselves. So it's, I'm sure they're nice people. Right. But I'm saying it's part of their thing. It's sort right. of like what well, you know. I do my job. Right. You know what I mean. You know I don't know you, but you, you know that kind of thing. Right. Yeah. I just know from personal experience from being on sets for so long with so many different types of men and yeah. like how they behave and like what they're yeah. able to get away with. Right. I bet from a, like from 19 years old, mm -hmm. you've been seeing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Bad. Yeah, I think so. Maybe the tide's changing though a little bit. Maybe like the message is getting received that like bad behavior is no longer going to be rewarded or just, or at, maybe not even rewarded. Like we're not going to turn a blind eye anymore. Right. And do you have like a lot of things that you just don't talk about? What do you mean? In terms of experiences with these people that you're sort of like, you know, like, well, that was sort of dicey, but, you know, I'm going to let that go. I mean, I think so. I mean, I put some stuff in the book, which yeah. I was just like, why the fuck not? But um, yeah, but then I guess, I don't know. I think that there's a thing that's happening now where we're all sort of aware and yeah. we're like, okay, like we're look, I'm looking at you. Dude, I think that the thing what I'm saying with Walton is that he's like a very serious actor. He's like very serious about the, 
the job yeah, and right. is really good at it right. and doesn't build any other bullshit around it to make himself feel bigger or confident or, or like yeah. you know what i mean yeah, like yeah, so yeah. so frequently like the i don't know the dudes are just like Ugh. like there's it's so aggro and like they feel like they have to like be dicks to people on set or like i'm in my zone like i can't look at you right now can yeah. you you know what i'm sorry can you just please not yeah you know what i mean like that kind of fucking yeah yeah i don't understand extreme that, male yeah vibes well just that entitled diva entitled. behavior on you know on behalf of anybody i never quite got me neither even the excess of it like you know I, I'm, I'm the guy now so like i'm gonna have these girls coming into the trailer bring i i need this in my trailer a full bar you know a jacuzzi like i i don't know <laughs> i don't understand that i want to see your writer I my see- writer is almonds <laughs> you want almonds <laughs> almonds and diet pepsi i don't diet I have to- pepsi do you f- are you worried about drinking diet coke or diet i don't pepsi? do it during i okay. just find that there's something about diet pepsi when i'm doing a show when i'm doing stand-up it's sort of like my red bull it's oh, okay, become, okay okay and it's different than diet coke somehow or another nervous when nervous about that about aspartame like, yeah yeah i don't know well i don't Maybe drink it every day who the hell knows? I wrote. I read like one article. No, seven I know that article. Ago. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, where it's like it's got the same components yeah. as formaldehyde, <laughs> yeah, and you're, you're gonna lose your 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 brain's gonna rot. And, yeah, yeah. Gabe yeah. Sachs sent me a bunch of pictures. He was one of the producers on Freaks and Geeks, and he just sent me a bunch of pictures from that time. And almost in almost every one, I'm holding a diet coke. Every single one. I was <laughs> and like, then the That's fear the, set in. Yeah, I guess I read that article. Never again. Yeah, I I know that whole thing. Then there was a political <laughs> component to it that aspartame was discovered by Donald Rumsfeld. Right. And they, yeah, I know. That. Yeah, I know that one. <laughs> You're like, but give me my fucking diet Pepsi. Well, that's for ultimately like the decision you make. You know, it's sort of like, all right, that all may be true, and but maybe I'm not the I'm not susceptible to that. Maybe not. So, how are you um, preparing for busy tonight? Uh, well, we've been in the room now for a couple of weeks, and before that, I was like working every day, hiring people, meeting with people, figuring shit out, getting it all put together taking meetings meetings yeah. meetings Are you, what's the format fun it's a well it's a half hour four nights a week yeah. um you know three act structure uh-huh. so first Guests. act yeah one guest per show um for one segment yeah bas- probably like two so like the first half of the first segment will be um like what we're kind of loosely calling a nonologue uh-huh. i'm not gonna do i'm not a stand-up but right. i'm also a person that loves to talk yeah i'm not gonna do like a tradish hard joke monologue vibe right. but we are gonna like go over the day's events and sure. things that we want to chat about yeah and then we'll bring out the guest and he or she will come out and we'll have a little catch up with yeah. friends. I'm not going to do like um, the traditional pre-interview. Tell me about your trip to Belize. What yeah, happened with right. the sloth? Right. Tell me. And you know exactly what happened. Yeah. yeah. And I, I, you know, I don't know. That just doesn't interest me. I'd like me. to know what happens with the sloth. I mean, I mean that seems it so... was wild. So, um, <laughs> and so, and then uh, we'll go to a commercial. We'll come back hopefully with the guest still. If the guest has to split because they're very important. Yeah, and their time they is gotta valuable. They got to go down the hall and do a podcast. Then, yeah. uh, then we'll do like a tape pre-taped segment. Oh, if okay. we have time with the guests, maybe we'll get to do a pre-taped segment earlier in the day with them. That's yeah. something we can throw to. So it's a talk show. It's a fucking talk. Straight show. up, Straight it's not up. A, no panel. Just you know, no panel. Oh, good. I didn't want a panel. Well, I mean, I think you're gonna be great at it. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I mean it's it's exciting because you're in, you're a curious, interested person. You yeah. have ideas and opinions, and you're a good conversationalist. All those things. Yeah. And I wish you the best of luck with that. Oh, thank you. And the book, which is great. The Thanks. Two pieces I read of it. <laughs> you don't have to read the rest. <laughs> no, no. I, I It was sitting there and I'm like, I got to read that. But like I had a million things going on and I thought like- It was your birthday. 
it was my birthday but also like i do believe like the one there's only been a couple times where i've read the books about people who i was talking to one of them was kim gordon oh fucking best book ever yeah but like she's not that candid and she's not a big talker that's true so like and you know i knew a little bit about her but i read her book because i wanted to at least know like in conversation Mm -hmm. where you know we could go right you know like so i had some place to go usually i just like to have a conversation if people have stories they'll tell me the stories right right. with her i was like thank god i read the book because like i was able to draw her out that makes so much sense i've like hung out with kim a little bit yeah which is like the joy of my life no she's great but um, but, but yeah, that yeah, like, that, you know, yeah. that tracks for me. Thank you. I did not <laughs> not read your book out of like, what the fuck is this? I read, I didn't read it because like, I don't want to lead Busy Phillips. Yeah, why would you? Uh, yeah, I, it turns out that was a, a good instinct on my on my part. You had the right call. Yeah. Well, uh, it was great talking to you. It was so nice to talk to you, Mark. Wasn't that fun? Wasn't that fun? Yes. Great. As I mentioned before, uh, Busy's book, This Will Only Hurt a Little, comes out tomorrow. The new show, Busy Tonight, premieres October 28th on E! Go get your copy of Waiting for the Punch wherever you get books, or you can get it, as I said earlier. You can go to markmarinbook.com or you can go to wtfpod.com and uh, click on the book link, or you can just go to a good old-fashioned bookstore. Okay? Okay, did we cover it? I'm going to try to play. I need to practice. I need to practice.